Welcome back to another episode of It Is What It Is podcast. I'm your host, Cody Kelly. There's a great episode for you tonight. It is Surviving Corporate America. And I ask that these two gentlemen be on because these two gentlemen are leaders in their own right. They are uh, professionals. They have achieved high uh, corporate America status. And these two gentlemen are black. So I have with me Corey Hinton and Adrian Patterson. I'm going to read their bio before I just give it over to them. Uh, let's go with Corey. Corey is a highly experienced accountant, over 10 years of accounting, finance, and operational excellence. Scope of his career has been afforded the opportunity to work in advertising, hospitality, technological work environments. He served in the capacity as senior director of credit and AR and senior manager of risk and AR, specializing in improving operational workflow by streamlining, developing, building out, and driving efficiencies. He holds his MBA with a concentration in global business management for Keene University. He also holds his Bachelor of Science degree in accounting and an Associates of Art MBA from Strayer University. He has attained his advanced diploma in theological studies at Numa Life School of Ministry with an accreditation from the one and only Oral Roberts University. He has received an honorary doctorate degree of divinity from CICA International University and Seminary in 2014. He's also received his chaplaincy from the Word of Life Ministries International and is an active member of the National Black MBA Association of Chicago. That is Corey. And then I'm going to introduce another outstanding guest, and that is none other uh, than the good reverend himself, Adrian Patterson. Adrian is a role model, takes advantage of every opportunity, extends to others. He's a graduate of Bradley University, the Bachelor's of Science degree, majoring uh, in business computer systems. He holds a number of professional certifications in networking systems uh, and admin, making him a subject matter professional in his field. He's also the founder and senior consultant of, uh, is it Adrox? Adrianics. Adrianics, right, IT. Adrian has been blessed to offer IT services and support to customers throughout central Illinois. Uh, with several opportunities to travel throughout Europe, did not know that, to manage the implementation uh, and development of new systems. Uh, he's worked with State Farm, County Financial, OSF Healthcare, uh, among others, uh, presenting at companies such as Universal Semiconductors, Edwards Life Science, St. Jude, CRMD. You presented at NASA? Oh, my God. I need, <laughs> hey, I'm going to need $100 after this. As the <laughs> pastor at Kingdom Temple Church of God in Christ, founded the Wednesday night youth night known as WNYN. Please welcome my two guests, Adrian and the show. I'm happy to have you fellas. How you guys doing? Doing well. How are you, Cody? Doing well. Happy to be here. Yes. I'm doing well. Just a, just another Tuesday for a black young professional like yourself. <laughs> <laughs> dealing with the, the truth and the nuances of, of life. Uh, but I really want to get into it. Really want to cover just uh, surviving corporate America. Um and just the complexity that it brings, because sometimes uh, when we try to uh, tackle just systemic issues as a whole, we don't understand that it is so deep that it's everywhere. Right. It's not just policing. And sometimes we get caught up in just the optics. But this thing is everywhere. So uh, first question, and I'll start with you, Corey, and then Adrian, you can answer. You know, I think we're taught to believe that go to college, go to school, get a job like in that order. Right. Get into corporate America. But is that the right order? Why? I mean, is that what was taught to you? Why did you go into corporate America? I'll start with you, Corey. 
Okay, uh, great question. Thank you again, uh, Cody, for the opportunity to share a dialogue tonight. Um, I would have to probably begin by answering that question by saying that there's an old model that says you cannot model what you don't see. Um, and so I do believe, however, that what you don't see could actually be the catalyst or the inspiration to drive a person to do what they do. Um, I went into corporate America because I wanted to be the exception to the rule. Um, I wanted to dismantle, uh, change the perception of the typical stereotype of what black men were thought to be. Um, they thought black men were just good for, for being an athlete, um, you know, and, you know, we couldn't strive to those type of levels of management, especially working in corporate America. Uh, having two parents who both were blue collar workers, um, that's all they aspired to do. Most of them, both of them actually retired from those jobs. And to be honest with you, I know that they never probably even reached the top of their maximum potential just working as a blue collar worker. Um, so my parents embedded in my siblings and I, the value of education. Um, so I, you know, to say, to go into corporate America, you know, I went in because I wanted to, I wanted to be different. I wanted to be an exception. I've always been a very fastidious kid. So I've always been very different, but I always wanted something more out of life. Yeah. Adrian, why did you go into corporate America? Well, again, I wanted to uh, tell you, uh, Cody Kelly, thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of this panel of a distinguished gentleman. I'm so impressed by um, Corey Hinton's bio. That was outstanding. And honestly, we're sleeping on Cody Kelly's bio as well. His is very phenomenal. And um, But to answer the question, uh, it was always in me to be a part of business. Uh, I've always been, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit, uh, whether it be a lemonade stand or even my, um, you know, my paper route at the age of 11 and uh, becoming the uh, the most profitable route in the greater Peoria regional area, winning a uh, trip to uh, Walt Disney World. So it was always in me to be a businessman. And of course, looking at my father and looking at great bishops, uh, including Bishop Cody Vernon Marshall, including Bishop Lewis Henry Ford, their claim to fame was their business uh, and their uh, entrepreneurial mindset um, so that drove me into being uh, wh where I am now. Um, to answer the question of, uh, is that the right order, college, uh, career, so forth and so on? You know what? In hindsight, I have to answer that by saying, as a child, as a teenager, do a lot of what you think you like to do. Because what you're going to find is you're going to find that you are going to like some of the things and you're not going to like some things. You're going to um, uh, get involved with uh, some things where you fail. And I, it, it is such a cachet to fail soon and to fail early. That is so awesome to do that because you have a lot, a lot of opportunity to rebound. And the reason why I say that is because a lot of times when people go into college, they go in not even knowing what they want to do, what they want to become. And ultimately, they waste so much time and money, you know, trying to figure that out. So do often as a teenager, try so many new things because it could very well be that college isn't for you. Yeah. You'll be an entrepreneur or businessman or, you know, before even uh, going to college, you can, you can honestly do that. So that, that's what I say. Cool. Cool. Let's, let's take it up a notch. So we went into this path and I'm sure like myself, you, you know, you came into thinking that, you know, I have these talents, I have all these influencers in my life. I can make an impact. 
When you got in the door, <laughs> what were some of the pressures that you faced being an African-American, being a black male, being a minority? Adrian, I'll start with you. Oh, wow. Okay. You know what? First of all, it's the stigma that you are only here because of affirmative action. That is a mountain to overcome, that you're only here because we had to fulfill a quota. Mm -hmm. And so you go in trying to outdo your own capability to prove to others that you qualify. But then in so doing, you recognize that there are people there who are not even on your level. And so it really becomes a fight within, an internal conflict to see, to know who I am, what I'm good at, what I'm capable of, and to not even lower yourself to deal with the squabbles of persons who don't feel like you belong. That is, that that hurdle has been pretty, it's, it's been rough to deal with, I'll say. Because dealing with corporations, I, in my bio course, State Farm, I've had so many meetings with them. And you can kind of feel the pool. You can kind of feel the eyes and the condescending tones and this, that, and the other. But then when they see your workmanship and then your effort and your drive and your creativity and your passion, then their eyebrows are raised and say, oh, okay, all right, well, we got to respect him for his content and not the color of his skin. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Corey, what are some of the pressures uh, that you've dealt with? That's a great question, Cody. Um, if I could just piggyback, I know the first initial question you asked was, why did we enter into corporate America? But then the second question that should be asked, is corporate America ready for black America? Um, a lot of the companies want that black presence, but they don't want to relinquish authority uh, and responsibility. So we're pretty much, we're good. We, we, we're good trophies. We look good. Um, we, we fit the, um, you know, you hear a lot of companies say that they're ready for inclusion and diversity, but that's really not the case. Uh, some of the things and some of the pressures that you deal with uh, in corporate America as a black professional is the very subtle, um, visible undertones. Um, insults, you get cavalier insults overlooked for promotions. Um, the harsh reality of knowing that you can't even break through the ceiling. Um, because you're categorized by the color of your skin. Um, one of the pressures could be working in an environment where you have more education than your white counterparts, your, your white peers. However, you know, I've worked in environments where my manager uh, only had a bachelor's degree, whereas it seems like in Black America, we're taught that we have to go and get five degrees just yeah. to be uh, counter or even value to be equal with our white peers. So some of the pressures are just the subtle racial undertones that is still there. I tell people all the time, even though we might not be hanging tree, hanging people from trees like they were doing in the 50s and 60s, however, we're going through the same type of uh, discrimination, uh, institutional systemic racism, even in corporate America, but it's just a little subtle about it. It's not as open. And so I always say that, you know, I don't think that companies are blind to what's happening. I just think people are walking around with blindfolds on. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, and to piggyback off that, I think um, companies are very aware that they need the black presence. Uh, so without doubt, black lives matter, but actually promoting them or really realizing equality 
is not what they want. So it's not an issue of existence. It's not an issue of Black Lives Matter. Do you think that Black people are equal? Equal. I would shift to that. Yeah. Corey, is there pressure to conform? And I've heard this conversation with a lot. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when I speak to Black professionals, it's not about uh, promotion. It's not about uh, having a career uh, within an uh, organization. It's about not getting your head chopped off. It's about basically flying under the radar. Is that an everyday reality? Is there pressure to conform like that? There is pressure to conform in corporate America, but if I could also add just another another layer to that, there's also what they call whitewash. Um, and those are individuals who intentionally try to disconnect from their black culture uh, as a fear of losing their job or as a fear of losing influence with their white peers. So there is a great amount of pressure that a lot of people do, uh, they conform to that because they don't want to get overlooked. They don't want to, they want to fit in. And sometimes, you know, in introspect to that, you have a lot of individuals who actually turn a, a blind eye to some of the impractices, the racial injustices that they see happening. Um, so there are some pressures that many do conform to because they want to keep their job. That is true. Yeah. Adrian, conformity, has it been a struggle for you? Have you been able to be yourself or do you have to fit their image of what they think you should be? Yeah, great question. Um, in all of us, in all of us, there is a, um, a an agent that wants to conform into what we see uh, in order to uh, meet the criteria that we see is set before us um, that possibly would cause us to achieve or to win. Um, However, um, I have learned, I have learned dealing with corporate America, dealing with uh, interdepartmental conversations and everything, the best thing that a person can do is to be true to who they are. Um, And you you are, um, or how would I say, your your uniqueness is going to be your essence. Um, There is a, there is a tendency to be like the others and to be like the dominant society, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant society. Uh, however, um, I have learned in the past and from trial and error, actually, that if you are different but good, then you will get what you desire. And it may not come from the current management. Uh, it may be from another manager. It may be from another director that saw your workmanship and your equity. And they said that, you know what, he may not be working or uh, able to move up the corporate ladder in that line. We're going to move him over to this area because he's better suited for this. Um, so being true to who you are does work. Um, and it, the, the kinky hair, I mean, really, come on, the kinky hair, it trusts, it works. The, um, I mean, really. Because what's happening is, as you are true to who you are, as you are true to your ethnicity, as you are true to your blackness, um, you're going to open up the eyes of others. Do you think, uh, Adrian, you've been equally treated as far as pay and promotion? No. Um, No. (laughs) (laughs) No. <laughs> and I'll give you an example. <laughs> so, so for, from my standpoint, I know that. Well, I'll give you this: when I when I got out of college, when I got out of college, um, this was in two thousand two. So, of course, I'm dating myself here. 
2002, got out of college. Now, when I was in college, I had five years of experience as an intern. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, I had already uh, uh, received some certifications in my field. And then, of course, I had the degree. So coming out of college, I just knew, man, these companies are going to be fighting over me. I mean, they're just going to whatever I name. Not so. Not so at all. So most of the applications or the resumes that I sent out went uh, unreplied to. But then I was blessed to uh, find a position about two months after I got out of college. The position was much lower than I thought that I qualified for, but it is what it is. Well, a couple of years later, they hired a gentleman, same role, less experience than me, less uh, uh, education than me, gave him $5,000 more than they gave to me. And when I tell you that, I mean, I was fed up. I was fed up. So what I decided to do, I started my own company. Because I said, I ain't going to let nobody tell me what I can't do or what I can't make. So I started my own company. A lot of it was out of spite, you know, because I said, I'm not going to allow persons to limit me to be what they think I should, what I should be. So I started my own company and to God be the glory. Corey, have you received your fair share, your 40 acres and a mule? When you apply for that job, do you think you honestly have been afforded the opportunity for equal pay and promotion? Um, I would have to concur with, with uh, Pastor uh, Peter uh, Patterson. Um, the answer is no. Um, and, and let me answer it by saying this. I don't think that we'll all be paid what we're worth. No one has ever paid their true worth. Um, however, I just want to be considered equal. I think that is the main issue. Um, you know, I want to be the one that when it's time to go up for promotion, that I, what I have contributed to the company, it weighs into the decision. Um, and I just want to be treated fairly. Even yep. in lieu of everything that we're dealing with in our country now, you know, it's not about repaying people back for all of the years of racial injustice. We just want to be treated fairly. And so the same Absolutely. applies to corporate America, um, no, I have not received equal pay. I have been overlooked um, for promotions. And so it takes us longer. I remember the first time that I was up for promotion to director, um, my coworker, my peer, which is a white guy, uh, we came in at the same time to the company. However, he received the first promotion within the department to director. And mm -hmm. uh, I know I worked harder than he did. But that's just the, uh, you know, you kind of get into all of the um, systemic structural racism that is present even within our organizations. Um, however, you know, again, you have to work hard and you cannot let that be a deterrent um, from your, your ultimate goal. Yeah. Yep. I've seen a lot of activity. I'm a LinkedIn stalker. You know, I work in sales. So, you know, my, my job is to stalk people and get meetings and stuff. So, um we're in reading a lot of information and now it seems like um there's this push to be like no look we get it right and i'm not necessarily pointing fingers saw that you know amazon recently hired for their not chro but it was a senior hr business exec it got a lot of follows got a lot of likes uh, african-american woman and i'm seeing it looks like this kind of push for real change do you think this is authentic or let me rephrase. Do you think this is truly uh, uh, the moment we're looking for? Or is this really a token of uh, move for us to kind of shut up and be done with in a couple months? Uh, 
Corey, I'll start with you. Um, <laughs> that's a good question. Yes, it um, is. I think that everything that you see is happening in our country today is good optics. It's good. Um, everyone now is jumping on the bandwagon um, for racial equality. Um, and again, it goes back to something I said previously. You know, it's not that people are blind by what's happening. However, um, they just wearing a blindfold. So now it took a George Floyd. It took uh, the Brianna situation. It took all of these people to lose their lives. And now we're living in a time where things are caught on video just through your phone. So right now it's up in front of our faces. They have to confront it now. They have to see it. Um, so yes, to your question, you know, I don't think that, you know, that it is really coming from an organic or a wholesome or truly reformed place. I just think everyone now is scared, number one. They're scared of lawsuits because now what's happening is things is going to come to the to the to the to the surface. All of the uh, you know situations where HR now have had cases in the past with people who have reported different instances or cases where they felt that they was racially profiled or discriminated. Now companies are scared because they don't want that type of attention. So I, you know, I don't think it's coming from a, an honest place. I think it's, 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 it's definitely good for optics now. Everyone wants to jump on a bandwagon. People want to donate money now to, to the Black Lives Matter cause. But is it really true? Is there even going to be change taking place after? I'm looking for change. I want change. Yeah. Adrian, to piggyback off that and to kind of include some of the comments from our viewers, is this real change or is this token examples of hurry up, you know, and shut up so we can get back to business as usual? This movement is for real. Okay. This movement is for real. I do believe. And the reason why I say that, I believe that there was three major movements in We'll say civil uh, rights, uh, or we'll say we'll say three major movements in Black America. Of course, following the freedom of the slaves, Emancipation Proclamation, eighteen sixty-three, which of course eighteen sixty-five, the slaves in Galveston were freed. So you got Reconstruction era, uh, era that 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 was the first wave. Second wave, nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties, civil rights acts, so forth and so on. And then we're here now. Now I, I think that the question that you asked poses a lot of dynamics. One is I think you're asking. Is this true? Is it from the heart? And the answer to that is no, absolutely. Absolutely not. You can't change what's in somebody's heart. All right. But understand what's about America. America is not about what a heart change. America is about capitalism. This is an opportunity that corporations are speaking out against systemic racism. This is an opportunity that uh, that corporations are standing up and standing with Black Lives Matter and so many of us. We have to make demands in this time and in this moment. I believe if we stop and say, this is not real, this is a for show, this is a facade, then we're not going to make the necessary demands that are, that's driving this moment and this movement. We're killing it subconsciously by not thinking that it's relevant. If we believe that this is relevant, and I do believe that it is, then we will make the necessary demands politically, the necessary demands commercially, commercially, the necessary demands societally that we will receive in this time. Understand, I'm going to start preaching real quick, because in 18, uh, rather in 1619, first black man uh, hit uh, Point Comfort, uh, Virginia, first yep. uh, black Americans came to the, uh, the continent, 
400 years ago, uh, August uh, 2019, last year. So now we are in the 401st year. Understand what the Bible says. He says that after 400 years, I'm going to visit you. I'm going to visit you. I'm going to deliver you. Understand, when Israel came out of Egypt, it wasn't that the Egyptians liked them, but they they sold into their lives. Mm-hmm. They gave them the gold and silver and so much and so on. This is our time. I really believe that for us to start businesses, for us to start foundations, for us to make demands, even if we call for reparations, so be it. Let's do it right now because this momentum is something that I've never seen in all of my life. So echo one of our viewers saying, I totally agree with you, a capitalist move indeed, and kind of just share their experience of not being paid on their own activity. Um, what are those demands specifically? We talk about demands, but nobody has really put forth a plan, a Marshall plan on what those demands look like. Adrian, what do those demands look like? Well, uh, you know what? I was right. That's a very good question. So at the beginning of the month, um, well, f- following George Floyd's um, execution, um, I mean, I, 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 man, that hurt me, y'all. That that brought me to tears, and I'm, I'm sure it did uh, you all as well. I mean, I called, I called every city councilman and woman of Minneapolis. I called them for three days. I called the mayor's office, uh, Jacob Frey. I, I called the district attorney's office, uh, Michael Freeman. I called all of them because I told them, I said, if you all don't value value this man's life, you're not going to value my life nor my son's life. So how you all treat this is of merit. So I called them and I said, and but then I said to myself, okay, now what am I going to ma- to demand of them? What am I demanding of our of uh, the uh, the American government? And I just began to write down some things that I would want changed. One thing is that I wanted to make sure that our police uh, officers are held accountable. Just like we got a credit scoring system, let's have some type of report card for our police officers. I mean, there's no way that they should not be reported on because we're paying them with our tax dollars. So let's do that. Um, let's also, let's have persons of the Black Lives Matter movement of the NAACP on the recruitment board and on the hiring board of our local police department. Let's have that done. Get them in the point are at the point where they're bringing in persons and screening them themselves. Those are just some things. As far as a business standpoint, absolutely. Make black companies and companies of minority, give them favorable treatment through government contracts. Let's give them real dollars. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Let's give them real dollars. Then with with respect to the educational system. We've got churches that desire to have privatized schools. Let's sow into that. Give us a private school because we understand public school is not working for us. Give us a privatized school, fund us that way. And I, I believe that those are some areas that we can really make demands from. Money, police recruitment, uh, uh, um, and some of the other things I said. <laughs> gotcha, Corey, demand. Corey, can I jump in on that? That was so yeah, good. That in, was so good. In. You know, I totally agree that there should be some type of targeted intervention on the federal, state, and the local level. However, Mr. Patterson, I do believe that reform must first start within the Black community. Mm. For example, we cannot march for Black Lives Matter, but yet over the weekend, over 100 people were shot. In order for us to be taken seriously by policymakers, lawmakers, Change needs to start within our own black community before we can go to the table to request those demands. So I just wanted to jump in on that. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that. And I know I'm, I'm commenting off of his uh, Corey's comments and I refer you back to the moderator. Um, but I, I, I definitely I 
I, I have strong feelings about that as well. Of course, we have to do better in our community and in our society. However, my tax dollars aren't going to gangs, I don't believe. My tax dollars aren't going to, you know, Bloods and Crips. My tax dollars are going to police officers. I, I'm paying persons who are abusing me. I'm paying persons who are punishing me. All of us, I'm sure all of us has had a racist experience with a police officer. I'm pretty sure all of us have. I'm paying them. And that strikes a chord within me that if, going back to what you were saying, Corey, about equal treatment, if other ethnicities don't have to deal with what I'm having to deal with, then we're not getting our fair share under this American constitution. Um, you're right as well. Our community, we we honestly can police ourselves in from the standpoint uh, as far as dropping the guns, this, that, and the other. I started up a Wednesday night youth night uh, where we're not where we're working with inner city young people free of charge, telling them how to deal with police officers if you get pulled over, telling them how to you know uh, correspond this, that, and the other. But but here it, it, it is a very bad optic when we're killing ourselves. It really is. It's, it's a hard argument to overcome, and that. I'm pretty sure, Corey, you've had that as well, where persons on your job or in or in, uh, in the employment, they speak and say, uh, well, why are we talking about Black Lives Matter when you all kill yourselves? Exactly. Exactly. It really is a hard statistic to, to battle, you know, yeah. but here's the thing. Here's the thing. When they do, when Black persons do commit the crime, they are um, punished. They are sentenced. But we've seen police officers get away and get off. So we've got high-definition cameras that are showing their abuse and their abuse system. True enough, true enough. I want to ask this, and I know we're running out of time. First of all, I just want to thank you guys again. Last question mm-hmm. I want to pose is, Corey, I'll start with you. Uh, the great Negro question. Uh, you know, I'm a historian. I like to do my research and read. I was reading uh, uh, Lincoln's address uh, to the Republican Party. This is during the Gettysburg Address during that same time span. And the the criticism is that Lincoln was viewed as somebody who was too supportive of the uh, enslaved people of Africa. Uh, they made they had memes in their day really depicting him as kind of this this abolitionist and this extremist. And Lincoln goes on to write that even though he disagreed morally uh, with slavery, he did not believe in black equality. He didn't believe in interracial marriages. He didn't believe that black people were, uh, in fact, equal uh, and definitely they were inferior and in that the ultimate end or the ultimate resolve would be we would have to uh, allow black people to go back to their continental home. Uh, that's a very interesting. Lincoln, to me, has a, has a, a weird spot in history for me. I appreciate him as a martyr, uh, but I can't ignore the whole truth of Abraham Lincoln. But I think that speaks to the whole truth of America. The great Negro question, can we be equal you know, 401 years have passed. That's a long time to be fighting for the same stuff. Can we really fully achieve equality in this country? And I'll start with you, Corey. I believe we can. Um, in corporate America, uh, there's three things that I wrote down today when I was kind of thinking about this question. Um, one of the things that I see across other, and I'm going to use the white race, they all have sponsors. They all have someone to advocate for them. Um, They all have people to go and speak for them. So one of the things that will help our black culture, our black community, specifically in corporate America, is to be able to identify and find a sponsor. 
You need someone who can actually speak for you when you're not in the room. Number two, connect yourself to a community, a village. Um, again, going back to something uh, Mr. Patterson said, you don't ever want to lose touch of your culture. So you want to be connected to who you are and where you come from. And then number three, I would just say, you know, yes, never abandon your inspiration, your aspirations, your goals, your dreams to become better. Those are all driving components that will help us to get where we need to be. Yes, the fight is not over. We have a long way to go. However, we have to continue to change the narrative. We have to continue to be an advocate and to voice what our concerns are. Yeah. Adrian, the great Negro question, is it achievable? Is this land our land, you know, home of the free and the proud and the brave? How much time do I have? <laughs> take, take, take two coded minutes. <laughs> well, so that and that's a great question, but you, you really have to unpackage it because one of the great um, uh, one of the great white supremacist ideologies is that Martin Luther King uh, marched so that we could sit next to white folks. And that was not the purpose of his march. He wanted to ensure that we had the same access, the same right as all people are entitled to under the Constitution. So I don't want any other ethnicities thinking that I'm trying to be equal to them or equal with them. All I want is the same rights and entitlements guaranteed to all American citizens under our Constitution. So I want to stop, you know, start start from that standpoint. Then as far as whether or not we're going to be seen as equal or receive those entitlements under this constitution, uh, I still believe that this is a turning year. I really do. I believe that this is a turning point in our national history. Um, I also, I, I'm, many of you all uh, probably have had this dream as well that I've dreamed, same dream as Marcus Garvey, where is there a land that's uninhabited where we can just go and create our own country, our own I mean, Atlanta. Really. <laughs> I think it's called Wakanda. Wakanda. Yeah. <laughs> we watched that movie and we were just reaching for it, like, oh my gosh, can I have that? You know, <laughs> we want that. <laughs> but here, here's the thing. I do believe, I, I, I'm a man of faith, I believe what the Bible says, if God before you, who can be against you? And those persons that are meaning things for evil on my behalf, they're only manipulating it for my good. Uh, and that's also for persons, you know, that have that same attitude. Somebody just commented, Wakanda. <laughs> that's also for persons who have like faith. We just believe that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We're going to eat the good of the land. We're going to be the head and not the tail. We're going to be blessed and highly favored above only and not beneath. We just believe that. And the Lord has blessed us. I'm looking at Corey's bio. I'm like, come on, that's what I'm talking about. I want to for the young people in my in my department, in my ministry, my youth ministry, I had to be like a Corey Henry. They ain't got to look at nobody else. They can look at Cody Kelly. They can look at Corey Henry and say, hey, I'm Corey Henry, I'm sorry, and say, hey, I want to be like him. He made it. He made it. So I believe it is definitely achievable. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. All right. Where can they connect me, Adrian? What are you doing? What are you working on? Where can people follow you and connect with you? 
Oh, awesome. Awesome. So you can connect with me. Um, I, my website is adrionics.com, www.adrionyx.com, adrionics.com. Uh, I'm also on uh, Instagram uh, at Adrian Patterson. Um, so, uh, so you can connect with me there. Uh, we're doing some good things. I think we're doing some good, some good things. We're connecting more so with the Illinois government so that we can receive some contracts and increase employment. We want to do that. Um, and, but then even from the ministry standpoint in Peoria, Illinois, uh, as soon as this quarantine is over, if the Lord bless, we're going to break ground on our second phase of our ministry. So certainly come on over to Kingdom Temple Church of God in Christ, 911 West Smith Street, where we're building God's kingdom, prepare souls to meet the Lord. Come on over there and we'll do you good. Awesome. 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 Corey, where can they connect with you? What are you doing? Yes, you can definitely follow me on Twitter, Instagram, also on Facebook. Uh, you can also view uh, where I'm currently speaking. Uh, on my website, which is uh, www.coreyhintonministries.org. Um, so yeah, definitely, uh, you know, I'm here. You know, something going back to something that I heard, where are the Malcolms and Martins of today? And right. so I do believe that I will be one of those voices that will rise up uh, for this young generation. Um, so yeah, definitely keep me in prayers and uh, definitely, yeah, you can look at me there. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, gentlemen, once again. I appreciate the audience. I appreciate you tuning in. Until next time, thanks. Thank you. Thank you.